Uh, all right, quick trivia question. Mm. What's the fastest bird in the world? The Perigold Falcon. All right. There you go. I think you're ready. Are you ready, <laughs> ready, ready for the hot seat? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, is that, I think you could do it for a million bucks. I think do, you could do, do you, it. <laughs> did Sam put you up to that? Of course not. What are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hi, my name's Elijah and welcome to The Roots Podcast an interview channel that shares the stories of people in hospitality, whether it be in the restaurant, out in the field, and those in the media. It's a retrospective look on the passion, ambition, and drive involved in a competitive industry. Roots Podcast is proudly supported by Sydney Direct Fresh Produce, the fruit and veg supplier led by Luke Kohler, who has provided Sydney with some of the best in local produce since he was 16 years old and still smashing it today. When I first dined at Birdie, I first thought, this is the fine dining of bars and I fucking loved it. They have a past from which their cocktails are plated. The wooden interior and overall style is both immersive and inviting, and their cocktail list, speaking as a chef, is inspiring. I love walking into venues and finding myself learning something new, whether it's an ingredient, a skill, or an approach to what we love doing every day. Thanks to both Luke and his partner Ari, because they've created a space that does just that. I'm super stoked I was able to have Luke on the podcast and to banter with someone who has such a unique perspective to dining. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. I was at a bar last night uh, on Brunswick called Par. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. You heard of it? Yeah, Yeah. I haven't been there yet, but yeah, I know the guys. Yeah, so like, because I went to a restaurant, God, I don't want to pronounce it wrong, restaurant Gaya? Gaya, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gaya? Yep. Fuck there's this restaurant up in Brisbane called, uh, I've been calling it wrong for like years until, <laughs> until someone uh, called, uh, I, I would always call it uh, Gage, but it's Gorge. Oh, right. Gorge, Gorge. <laughs> oh, fuck, man, I got it, I got it. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, so like I had dinner there last night, which was, which was incredible, but yeah, the Calvin, the bartender there, suggested we get a par, and it was like, it was great. It's yeah, kind cool. of kind of what, that similar things, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they're sort of like, yeah, uh, I haven't been there yet, but yeah, just sort of like, the yeah. whole thing is like, cutting down waste and stuff so like no ice and that sort of thing yeah which is sick like it just it just focuses on like flavor and shit just liquid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is good yeah. I, I, I like it yeah there was a bar in london years ago called white lion yeah yeah um which was very similar to that and that was like i mean that was like 10 years ago now yeah and they didn't have any ice and whatever and everything was like in temperature controlled fridges and <laughs> um that was uh i mean back then that was pretty Groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah, a few few places sort of followed too now. Yeah, yeah, they kind of like shifted the focus of like before that it was like all everything was made element, you know, like in a cocktail bar. Like I remember working in places where it's just like you're squeezing limes to order, and it's just you go home, and you, you your fingers are just like literally burnt away. Like, <laughs> right? yeah, I've got this photo of me from like it was like 2009, and like I was squeezing that much lime uh, a night that. Literally, my fingers would bleed putting on my shirt, my uniform. Like, it was... That's insane. Like zombie fingers, yeah. It was Fuck. insane. Uh, I'd have, like, two weeks off work. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was insane. Fuck. So, yeah, it's like... Uh, it's probably why it's influenced the, the decision for uh, Birdie. We, we haven't had any uh, fresh lime juice in or yeah. anything. It's uh, <laughs> sort of more focusing on season, seasonal stuff that's in season and stuff, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like we haven't even shaken a drink the whole time we've been open. That's that's nice. Um, yeah, some people might call it lazy though. <laughs> Working smart, not hard. Yeah, I call it progressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, no. But like, uh, I think this is great. Like, uh, I was just saying when we're when I was at Par last night, and, mm. and just because like, especially coming out of like, uh, what was it yellow? So I was a suet yellow and doing like the plant-based fine dining food mm. and i was I'm, honestly i'm having these conversations with the chefs all the time where i'm like i just feel like the future of just good food like a fine dining is really like small and intimate mm. you know i think it gets lost with large amounts of covers and doing 100 200 cover services that's great for just like bulky simple delicious but for like refined care folk care focused and relationship between the farmers and growers like the intimate the better mm. you know and it's like uh, it sucks because like for people that put so much care and effort into something and want people to appreciate that you need the time to talk to them and explain to them the processes or show them the processes in whatever format that that is you mm. know like whether it be through a book whether it be through photos videos or a bar or restaurant whatever mm. so like I, I look at this and i think that's that's awesome 
you know, like I, I come here and I'm like, okay, cool. Like maybe there's, there's something, something right to it. You know, like yeah. that, that there are people, other people out there that have that similar thought process. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like, do, do, do you also think that that might be the future of? Oh, hundred percent. I, the, the best experiences I've had around food and drink, if I think back to it, uh, have always been the moments where, well, a a time time and place is, is is a massive thing for me. Like so, you know, if you if if I'm overseas, I want to taste and 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 smell and experience mm. what it means to be in that one particular time and place. Yeah, yeah. you know, so happens quite often in the cocktail world that like you know, uh, you know, and especially these days, everyone knows how to make a Negroni. You know, yeah. so all of a sudden we we start drinking Negronis all around the world. Yeah, yeah. And then you lose that sense of time and place of having a Negroni in Milan. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas I, I want to go back to where, you know, imagine if you could only get a Negroni in Milan, how special would it be when you actually finally went there? You yeah. Know? So I think there's a lot of things, especially with Australia, um, and especially after being away overseas, that I was just like, no, I want to get back to Australia because there's so much good stuff here. Yeah. Not even, not only just the native uh, and indigenous like produce, um, but just the fact that we've got like uh, so many different like climates to, to pull from um, at, at any different uh, season. Um, it's just like a melting pot of different cultures and, and inspirations and whatever. So I wanted to come back here and do that. And so, yeah, going back to like what you were talking about, that's what I want to create is something that people come in and we give them like a, just a new experience and we're able to give them uh, that time and energy um, to really give them a new experience. And, and so, so every, everyone that comes into Birdie, we're always like, you know, kind of welcoming, welcoming them into like our home, so yeah, to speak, yeah. to be like, you know, welcome. And, you know, we want the, the guests to, to feel our genuine excitement that we are really proud and excited of what we're serving yeah, yeah um which yeah i think that can get lost when it, it becomes like a bigger venue and it's all yeah, about yeah. you know just doing you know as many covers as you can and, and that sort of thing you inevitably lose that yeah for sure um my one of my favorite experiences when i was in uh sweden i had the opportunity i ate at uh, Favikin when it was open oh bullshit um yeah that's was, crazy that was amazing so like just Fuck. having like a guy like magnus yeah that really like kind of rubbed off on me the fact that like he he welcomes you like right at the start and then like you know the whole way through the meal he's telling you these little personal stories and, and connections that he has with the food that he's cooking and obviously like their whole thing was everything is like everything that you they used in that restaurant was within I think it was like a five kilometer yeah yeah or yeah like that. and then even after your meal, you basically go downstairs, you sit by the fire and he sits and has a drink with you. And, oh, and really? he still continues to talk about, yeah, I made this liqueur from last season. And it's got this real connection like wow. with the seasons and, and, and his personal story as well. So that's that really rubbed off for me. So there's a lot of stuff that like, um, there's some drinks that we serve that are like uh, inspired by like moments and yeah. memories from my childhood even. That's cool. Um, so we've got this one drink that we serve in summer, it's called Last Summer. And the whole idea of it is it's um, taken from a memory of mine eating a mango, not at the beach, but like in the ocean. So like you, you, the experience of the drink is like you're tasting mango, but it's like a, this salty brininess. So, so it's like you're in the ocean eating a mango. And I think yeah, people yeah. really resonate with connections like that and yeah. that, that sort of nostalgic feeling and whatever, even if it wasn't their memory, they you know that's what drags people in and, and makes them come back yeah yeah oh for sure like uh, i think that's sick i, Sorry, I, I went on a bit of a no 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 <laughs> it's, it's great it's just like so many things to dissect but like uh, i think with Farbkin, i've never actually met someone who's dying there before mm. yeah yeah not many people sick. did really because it was yeah it was i mean it was so far out of reach yeah. especially for us in australia yeah yeah i just I, I'd, I'd love to more just kind of dissect that whole experience because mm. i think that that's incredible mm. you know like yeah, you only see if Farbkin of the books that are released and just the media but like to talk with someone who's actually had the experience of dining there would be kind of cool to talk about mm, I suppose yeah. so you first of all you wanting to go there like like what was the decision behind that and like did, was this a place that you had to venture 
for? Did you venture just for it? Or did you nah, really so kind of in the area? I like, found myself in Sweden, like we were there. Um, we were there with uh, Absolute Vodka. Um, we were doing uh, <laughs> we were doing like an event there. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we were over there for like this thing every year. It's called the Bartender's Choice Awards yeah, in, yeah. in Sweden. And they were the, the Absolute guys were like played amazing hosts and that they were like, they really took care of us and they were literally like, uh, while you're here, is there anything you want to go? And I, I literally just said, I want to go to Fab. <laughs> Uh, just kind of throwing it out there yeah. and and they made it happen and I was, I, I was like wow because actually crazy. a similar what's, what's that? I just said that's crazy yeah yeah <laughs> well I had a similar thing that like it was uh, it didn't quite work out um, as well but uh, I was in um, I was in Madrid and it was the year that Ferran Adria announced uh, we were there from Madrid Fusion and it was the, the year that Ferran Adria announced that he was closing El Bulli and so we, similar uh, scenario, we were there, we were getting hosted for Madrid Fusion. They were like, oh, let us know any restaurant reservations. You yeah, want. Yeah. And I jokingly was like, how about you get us into El Bulli? And uh, there was this one brief moment where our host, or that there was like, she was called Our Nanny. Yeah, yeah. She was making a call to the restaurant manager, I forget his name, Julie Soler or something, and, um, making a call to him. And for a brief moment, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> Didn't quite work out because the, oh, the restaurant no. manager was like, yeah, since this announcement, he's like, I've basically uh, taken any responsibility with bookings away from myself because it was just, it was just crazy. Wow. Um, so yeah, missed out on going to Elbowley. But, but I got Fabricant, so, which is great. That's sick. <laughs> well, Fabricant would have been hectic. Like, just because it is quite intimate as well there. Like, they don't do many covers, do they? Mm. I think at the time they were doing 16 covers. Yeah. Um, when we ate there, we were a table of four and there was another table of two plus a baby. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So I, I think that really um, helped in the in the fact that like Magnus like came and he sure. had a lot of time to, um, yeah, to spend yeah. with us. And yeah, I was just like fanboying the whole time. Oh, I dude. loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Really cool experience. So, like, even other things about it, like, uh, to be honest, like, breakfast the next day mm. was almost the highlight. Like, before you go, because you stay there as well. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Sure, well, know. you've got the option to. We, we stayed there. And um, before you go to bed, they say, oh, how do you like your eggs? And then you literally wake up to, like, the, the most awesome breakfast spread. It's oh, amazing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Fucking hell. I don't my my wife, Aki, is like, she constantly reminds me that uh, she wasn't there on that trip. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's very bitter about that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, stitch up. <laughs> Fuck, that's crazy. But you, you also went to, you've also been to places like Noma and Attica and shit as well, right? Mm, yeah, like, yeah. So these are some of the, the, the best places. But I think what's cool about it is someone who's in the industry kind of, and now in a place where you can create the space and and lead through venues that you have kind of the influence over and, and change the industry that way you can draw a lot of inspiration from these people oh 100 percent. i've like for years for years i've gotten a lot of inspiration more from restaurants and chefs than i have bartenders and you can tell when you come here yeah, yeah. oh that's that's cool no no it's just like no when i came here like my first thought was that it's like the fine dining bar yeah. Oh, sorry, it's the fine dining restaurant. Equivalent of But yeah, yeah, kind of just that set up the layout because it's that nice. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't hasn't been here yet, like the it's got like a nice wood, like square table where there's like they prep. Oh, not prep, but like where they kind of make and do the the pass would be the best way to. Yeah, to well, that's what we call it. it. Basically, we call it the island, but yeah. it operates like a chef's pass. So yeah, where where everything's plated and, and curated, and before it's mm-hmm. given to the customers, which is. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, that's directly taken from uh, from restaurants. Uh, yeah, from from kitchens. So, well, we always say um, when, whenever we bring new people in, um, we kind of tell them like, kind of you know, okay, take what you you know about cocktails or bars or, or working in bars and just sort of put it to one side for a moment <laughs> because we kind of run a little bit more like a kitchen, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I don't say, oh yeah, throw that away and forget about it, never look at it again, because there is, um, there's still a lot of like synergies with, um, you know, 
it might not look like it on surface on the surface but we do still reference like classic cocktails yeah. and there's some techniques and, and that sort of thing and I always think um, just like cooking you've got to have like a sound knowledge of your fundamentals and your classics and that sort of thing um, it just makes you better going forward yeah um, but yeah we're, we're I'm very much influenced by, by kitchens and, and chefs have been for years now and, and to be honest I've always been shocked at how little uh inspiration the bar world takes from the restaurant world because yeah. i always found like it, it was almost like um you were back to the future fan yeah you know and the number two when he has like the sports almanac and he basically he's got all the sports results when oh, he goes back oh yeah, 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 yeah 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 i feel like i felt like for years you know going back 10 years ago that like you essentially you almost had just by looking at what the restaurant world was doing yeah it was like five, ten years ahead of what the bar world was doing. And it was right. almost like having that sports almanac of going, <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got literally all the results. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. just need to not copy and paste, but like pull that from what they're doing and make it applicable to bars. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's always blown my mind that people are like, wow, that's such an amazing idea. I'm like, it's, should be honest, it's not an original idea. <laughs> um, I guess it is for the bar world. Yeah, um, yeah, some, yeah. Of, some of the things, but um yeah, I think, you know, when you've got, uh, you know, people, well, those restaurants like your Nomas and Fabricans, but not even that, like even like there's a lot to learn from, like my um, my in-laws have a, a sushi restaurant in Glen Waverley. Yeah. And uh, so Aki's dad is, uh, you know, going on, going on 70 now. He's been making sushi for the majority of his life. Wow. Their little family restaurant that seats like, you know, 20 people at a, at a sushi counter, I learn uh, from from them, you know, all the time. You know, it's just such a really well run business. Yeah. Um, and it's just like really, it's a it's a really good reminder of like just people that are really passionate about their craft. Mm. Um, you know, you don't have to have all the bells and whistles and the latest, you know, the mm. fanciest fit out and and whatnot. It's just about you know the craft and putting in the hours to you know they've they've been open almost twenty years. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, even like restaurants like that, it doesn't have to be known. I, I still get inspiration from, from restaurants like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think about this all the time, just like when I, when I go to restaurants and, and you see the food, like for, especially degustation restaurants and, you know, like when I went to Gaya Gaya, I got the non-alcoholic pairing with the, the food, mm. you know, just because like, and I was saying this to, I was saying this to Tony at par, but I always find myself like learning so much from both the food and the cocktails when they've got so much thought and process put into it like me and calvin are just like exchanging just like techniques and ideas and just like just really kind of feeding off each other's just like knowledge you know and because mm. that's so cool because you're right like in the same way that you, you might feel that the bars were behind in restaurants i also feel as though like i can also as a chef learn so much from bartenders you mm. know because you, it's the same process but sometimes you do use a little few different techniques because you're working with liquids most of the time so you have more time to focus on how to extract and, and infuse flavors with liquids we're already doing food so mm. but they're still integ like integral you know mm. and well, i think especially like there was a point in time when you know when uh it's probably going back you know, maybe 15 years ago now when all of a sudden the kitchen came out onto the floor, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like restaurants like Noma made it quite in vogue for the chefs to be serving at the table and whatever. Yeah. And you know, that approach of like the chef being directly customer facing and talking and engaging with the guest, you know, that's what bartenders do all the time. Yeah. You know? Um, and I actually always uh, draw similarities between that and like the, the sushi chef. Yeah, sure, the sushi sure. chef is like the bartender yeah. of the of the food world, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that's true. I never thought about that. That's yeah, true. I've always found that that interaction quite quite cool, um, especially with Aki's dad. He's um, people go there to see him. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Like, obviously, he's amazing what he does in terms of like how he breaks down fish and and and, and his sushi is amazing. But um, people also go there to see him which yeah. uh, there's a lot of bars out there that do that as well yeah, yeah um you know they operate like that people go there to see a particular bartender yeah um and and that's what makes the space yeah, um, yeah. so yeah I, th I think you know before 
like you know the the chef world and the kitchens sort of came out the front of house it was all sort of back behind closed doors and it was that yeah, whole yeah. uh that stereotype of the angry chef that doesn't like uh, customers and whatever it's like i don't know if they, they can exist anymore like, yeah you, no, not anymore. You, you have to be pretty customer facing there and, and also like uh you've got to be on social media you've got to you know you can't you can't just be the guy the angry chef in the back that doesn't speak to anyone anymore yeah you? unless you're getting a fucking multi-million dollar tv show out of it but yeah, yeah fucking not the case mm. um yeah so i guess now coming to this format and style that you've you've got which I can totally understand would just be an influence of the bars you've already worked at, what you are inspired by. Tell us a little bit about kind of like how you more or less got there because I think about this with myself and about, for example, my thought process of why I would so much more appreciate a Mikazi style fine diner, mm. but it took a while for me to kind of realize why that's so important, mm. whether it be the customer interaction, whether it be the time and the quality of everything the ceramics the ingredients just like the story all that sort of stuff and 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 forwarding that appreciation it took me a while to kind of get to that Mm. if we can kind of go back to what singapore i know i know you're at what you're at melbourne before that Mm. first um but then you went jumped over to singapore i think working in a place that's also very culturally different Mm. would give you a lot of kind of experience and 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 help you get to where you are now realizing this might be your what you you know your your value and appreciate so if we can kind of take it back to to melbourne singapore what was the bars that you were like working there and how do you think they help shape where you've come to today in terms of all the things that you value and appreciate for what you do yeah i think you would have to the biggest influence was probably going in 2009 going to work at Tipling Club. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Cliff sort of, he, he rubbed off on me quite a lot in terms of um, applying kitchen techniques and I guess that sort of uh, progressive um, approach to making drinks. Um, and kind of the fusion of both worlds, the food and the drinks, like not being separate and sort of uh, and putting it out there as one. So yeah, yeah. that's probably like if I was going to pick one massive influence, it, it would be Tipling Club. Yeah, sure. Um, and then that's kind of that's the, that's when I started going through that whole idea of like pulling that inspiration from from what chefs are doing and, and in the food world and applying it to drinks. Then, you know, I fast forward a few years later, going to open up my own place in, in with Operation Dagger in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a really unique opportunity there where essentially we just, you know, and Ryan actually introduced Aki and I to our business partners. So again, he's influenced us there. <laughs> um, but for us to have basically business partners that they didn't come from uh, a F&B background it was they they came from banking and finance oh right um, they were essentially like yep yeah, look we've got the means to do it yeah, we know sure. you've got the know-how let's you know pull together so what do you want to do and it was like a blank canvas I don't think many people get that opportunity you know and, and throughout my career I've had a lot of really unique opportunities when I think back to it I'm like wow that I actually have been very lucky and very fortunate. Like, yeah. Even if I go, I go back to way back when I started, like by attending at a restaurant in Newcastle, I was a barista during the day and then I would help out at night. I started helping out at night because they were a bartender short. Yeah. And then the owner of the restaurant came to me, like I was 21 at the time and the owner of the restaurant was like, hey, you like playing around with cocktails? Make a cocktail list. And so I like basically made a cocktail list for this restaurant and bar and uh, basically tested out and learnt how to make cocktails on someone else's dime, That's almost, crazy. you know. Uh, but he trusted me and, uh, you know, we, I brought value to the business because, you know, I, essentially I got all my mates to come in and drink cocktails <laughs> and spend money at this restaurant that yeah. was, it wasn't a cocktail bar, it was a restaurant, but yeah, all yeah, of a sudden yeah. he had 20 of my mates drinking cocktails and he's looking at the end of the night going, geez since luke's done the cocktail this revenue spiked yeah so he was happy and then i was i was learning along the way and then it kind of got me to a point where you know i wanted to sort of uh learn from rather than teaching myself learn from other people yeah, yeah. um 
yeah so even if i go back to that i had a really unique opportunity and then fast forward going to um singapore being able to basically go like here's the keys like yeah. just make something yeah, yeah and with what we made with operation dagger it was actually pretty a pretty brazen bar to open in terms of like your first bar we basically we didn't have a back bar we didn't we said no we're not gonna have social media we just want to grow organically we just want to we're not going to serve classics we're just going to serve stuff that we think is cool even with the fit out it was just all directly inspired by like different uh inspirations from like the art world so it was like it could it like a lot of it luckily it was well received and everyone like a lot of people loved it and said yeah. it was amazing but i could easily see how someone could absolutely hate it <laughs> <laughs> um because we were saying no to so many things if that yeah, makes sense yeah, yeah. you know we're, we're not doing this this is what we do yeah. you know sit down shut up this is what we're doing yeah. <laughs> i kind of refer to it now as it was my uh punk stage of bartending it was kind of like fuck you i know better let's, <laughs> let's just just have this um and even stuff like not listing the alcohol on, on the menu and the spirits and whatever, um, which was the first sort of evolution of what we do now. But And I guess Birdie is sort of like a refined... So it's all of those experiences, uh, not just for myself, but with Aki, and it's all just refined into Birdie. Um, but yeah, that's... Uh, I guess that they would just all go back, if I look back at it, it's that, that first interaction with Ryan at Tiblin Club. Um, being able to incorporate those kitchen techniques and learning new things. I was like a kid in a candy store back then, like mm. learning all these new techniques and learning how to use, you know, uh, rotovaps and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. mixes and packagettes and all that sort of stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's probably been the biggest influence in terms of the, the physical product. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then in terms of the style and the service, it's just places that we've uh, sort of enjoyed on our travels and, and, and I guess the style of place that we in both Aki and I enjoy and it's always a place that food and drink is equal you yeah. know we like going to places where it's like there's not really a, a focus on one over the other yeah um I just recently went to an amazing restaurant here in Melbourne out in Beaconsfield called Oh My oh, yeah. um if you ever get a chance to go there um, yeah, yeah but I think that's what they do really well is the food and the drink is it sits alongside each other really yeah, well right. And the service is like super approachable and, yep. and welcoming, um, which is what we try and do here. It's like welcome people in because there are still elements of that sort of punk fuck you to, to some of the stuff we do. You know, like we don't we don't list you know classics. We don't make espresso martinis. You yeah. know, we don't list you know what spirits you're going to be drinking. It's you know distilled sea lettuce and all that sort of stuff. That can be quite intimidating for some people. Yeah. So to break down or to, to manage that, we, we I would say to, to my team, we have to be just even more welcoming sure. to, to make them feel at home because we're going to make them push them out of their comfort zone a little bit as well. So we have to sort of bring them back in with, yeah, with right. the service style. Sure. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's incredible. Like just to, to reiterate, like even... I suppose what, what you're trying to do here is no more or less different to fine dining restaurants just having their set degustation and going, that, that's it. Yeah. It's right. no a la carte, it's just degustation, you're, you're booked and this mm. is it, you know? like I think that's the last, uh, the last, not barrier, but that's the last sort of, um, uh, that's the last thing that I'd love to get to. I don't know if we'd ever, like, just to be able to do, okay, it's just a set menu. I'd love to be able to do that in a bar format. We do have a set tasting menu. Like we have a three and a five course tasting menu that, that changes uh, daily. And But to do that across the board as a bar, I don't know. If it, <laughs> I don't know if it will fly. I mean, I'd love to be the one to try. Um, but yeah. the, the, that's the last sort of challenge I, I see is maybe may doing that one day. Um, and then it can be an optional with food, you know, like yeah, the, yeah, the cocktails are first, you know, and then... If they want food, they're gonna have food, you know. Yeah. You know, it's just just flip it. Yeah, um, it'd be good as a. Yeah, I mean, good to try maybe as like a pop up to see how it's kind of received, and then. Mm. I mean, if, if you're gonna do it in any city, like Melbourne's probably the place to do it. It's yeah, pretty yeah, like yeah. Melbourne's really accepting of new ideas like that. Um, even if you talk about the difference between Melbourne and Sydney, like both amazing food and beverage scenes, but it's quite different. It's know? crazy, eh? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Like, even when I had uh, Stefano on. Uh, ages ago I was talking about well he was talking about like his influence of just like pulling maybe Sammy together but then 
whether you could do maybe Sammy somewhere else in a, in a different mm. place and would it still be well, well would it not only would it still be well received but would it still have the same effect that it does in Sydney and it's just like it's such a big question right because this mm. is the whole difference between doing something that you love in one place and then franchising right and mm. then not that bars want to be franchised but this is why often they don't yeah because it's not only the concept that you have the team that you have as well that that gives it the energy mm. but also where like the place and the people that are surrounded so like yeah it's crazy like it's so crazy to think that like had you done birdie in fucking western australia or yeah. brisbane or, or whatever like would it be where it is today well i think uh i could i could quite confidently say it wouldn't it wouldn't be the same yeah um, uh, because we, from the outset, we wouldn't have made it the same. There's certain things that we do here at Birdie that if it was in another part of the world or even another part of Australia, maybe we wouldn't do, but we would do something else, you know. Yeah, yeah. A big part of Birdie's ethos is, it's written on the window there, it's like uh, uh, to be shaped by our environment and to adapt yeah, right. to the environment so that's speaking specifically about like the produce and the seasons, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which is like a relatively not yeah it's it's not it's not an everyday occurrence in a cocktail bar that you're so heavily influenced by seasons basically because you know a lot of the time you're working with like imported spirits and you know making these classic cocktails where it's like okay as long as you've got lemons you can make all this myriad of uh, <laughs> drinks um whereas for us to be like you know literally this we, this season is the first time we've ever had citrus on the menu yeah we're getting yuzu from standing on yeah um so to that that's what we mean by adapting to our environment like only using things in season yeah but it's like conceptually as well adapting to your environment yeah we even did it we the birdie even adapted since we opened because of covid you know you had to adapt yeah, yeah. Um, and it was actually because of that mantra that sort of ensured our survival um and i, I think the best businesses uh in any industry really but particularly in hospitality are always the ones that evolve over time so like as much as i'd love to be like yeah birdie is like uh it's my dream bar from the outset it was going to be the perfect bar no i I didn't want it to be like that we've got a a 10-year lease so i always saw it saw it as okay we've got 10 years and over those 10 years it's going to be quite an evolution quite a journey and the, the bar that the bar that is standing in in 10 years time or even two years time hopefully i'd like to think it's completely different to the bar that we opened if it's not then my thought is we've become stagnant you know i always want to be growing even talking about you know with the new offering that we're going to be uh, releasing in here in the avery like uh it's a completely new uh shift and 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 new addition to the bar that's going to add another layer and another element and that's that's what gets me sort of up in the morning is just like okay what are we going to do new today what are we going to where, where are we going to push to what what are our goals what are we going to achieve um and that's i think that's what um that's what my team really enjoys as well you know like i, I always think back to okay when i was working in places like you know, some people want to just clock in, clock out. Um, this isn't the place for you <laughs> if, if that's what you want to do. And I think my team, like anyone that really uh, 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 kind of is, is here sort of long-term, they, they realize that. And yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of sort of things to learn and a lot of opportunities to grow into as well. Yeah. Uh, on a side note, I need to uh, ask you a story about smoking yogurt in a car park. <laughs> Yeah, what's this? New Orleans. Yeah. What's what's this deal? Mm. Uh, yeah, thank you, Matthew, Jeffrey, Alan, Wiley. Um, uh, where to begin? Uh, yeah, it was long story short. Was, uh, I was actually talking about something similar yesterday. Where there's so many, so often I'll, I'll be like, why am I in the shit all the time? Why am I? Why do I leave things to the last minute? Or why am I like I could have prepared this in advance so much earlier, and it would be smooth sailing. And I think Aki said said one day to me, she was like, you know, I think you do it on purpose. She was like, because you would be bored otherwise. And then I started thinking about, it, I was like, yeah, so I'm basically sabotaging myself to make my life more interesting. Um, yeah, but so that was one of those occasions where I had a seminar in uh, New Orleans. Um, 
and one of the prep items that I had thought I'd brought from Singapore, which was some smoked yogurt, um, yeah, yeah. I hadn't. And I had like <laughs> a couple of hours to, to prep this and, and Matt's like, yeah, I'll give you a hand. Next thing, one thing led to another. We were in a car park, literally next to like, you know, some some people that are like warming their hands over like a, a drum on fire, <laughs> like in a, quite a dodgy part of the neighborhood. And uh, we're like, got this uh, tub of yogurt in like a it's like in like a container and we're trying to get enough like leaves and stuff <laughs> to smoke this yogurt <laughs> and then like yeah matt goes over and buys these like postcards from a um like a, the equivalent of a 7-eleven or whatever and uh start smoking the, burning these postcards and then they start giving off this really black toxic smoke and I look and it's like they're laminated with something and it's yeah it was a nightmare <laughs> that's fucking crazy well, we, we got it done in the end but, uh, <laughs> and, and no one was any the wiser but now probably people will think back to that and be like jeez um, yeah but I've, I've often laughed at uh, found myself in situations like that and think uh, if only anyone saw this <laughs> it did, yeah yeah that was uh, that was a fun one yeah, that's fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I find him. I find him funny. I, that's, that's definitely one thing I enjoy talking about on this podcast. Are just those moments that just remind you to just like that you're not as good as you think you are sometimes. Oh, like yeah, you make mistakes, yeah, yeah. and they're fucking funny yeah. sometimes. Man, I just love it. Like, like at the end of every at the end of every podcast, uh, we can just fucking carry on. But uh, I do ask that that question to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure sure you know, but and I think it's a great way to to just finish and just like have a laugh and yeah. just like remind people that you're just you're having fun oh yeah I, I, there was this other time where I had um, I always think back to this I had uh, it was an event for Melbourne Food and Wine Festival and it was when uh, Yoast has had his uh, greenhouse in like uh, where was it down near the Dockland sort of thing and um, I had this one uh, event that I had to prep this one drink called the berry and the bee. Yeah, yeah. So it was this drink that was revolving around like honey and berries and, yeah, and, yeah. and all this sort of thing. And we were foraging like wild blackberries at the time. Yeah, yeah. And the blackberries I was getting at the time were like uh, uh, in Richmond. And I remember I needed like 200 blackberries for, <laughs> for this for this event. And it was like last, again, last minute. I had like half an hour to get to the event find myself in this blackberry bush yeah. and I'm foraging, like getting these blackberries and I'm about halfway in and I literally fall probably six feet into like on the side of these railroad tracks. Fuck. <laughs> like it was a big fall. And I think like now, if I made that fall now, I'd be a broken man <laughs> at my age. But luckily I was, you know, the ripe age of, you know, 23, 24 or whatever. I was able to dust myself off, but literally fell into a blackberry bush, like thorns and everything. And had no time to go and get changed into a new, and I was literally bleeding from my arms and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I race into the event, come in to do the event. And Jason Jones was one of the chefs there doing the event. He uh, used to own Mamacita. Uh, and we became good friends um, <laughs> before that. But he, and he was literally, he looked at me, he's like, mate, are you all right? And I was like, oh, yeah, I was getting these blackberries and I fell. I was like, wait, how, how'd you fall? And I was like, oh, f- yeah, I fell like six feet down this thing into a blackberry. He's like, you know you're bleeding everywhere, right? And I was like, yeah, I just had to come. And he was just like, dude, this isn't that important. <laughs> And then it made me realize, it's like, yeah, maybe it's not. <laughs> why, why am I busting my chops for yeah. these blackberries to do this, this drink? Um, so yeah, it's, it's good to have that reminder right now and then. <laughs> oh, shit. No, it reminds me of like so many times. I've told the story before, but like I had, had to do something similar. I was, worked at Caveau in Wollongong. Um, so this is when Tom and Simon owned it uh, for a few years. And at that restaurant, it's very forage boat by focus you yeah. know so on the menu you could have like beach mustards nasturtiums salt bush sea lettuce all that sort of shit and whenever it was on you'd have to forage it like they, they didn't like buying it it just it kind of gave you skills and it gave you more to learn and understand and appreciate if you can go out there yourself and understand really like hyper seasonal produce um and being able to work with the weather and but you know work with that 
even though it's on the menu and it might be rainy, just think about like thinking ahead of time and going, mm. what what can I expect from this week's weather and, and should I get more of this? How can I preserve this so I have it anyway? You know, you should think outside the box. Mm. Anyway, so it was like a Saturday night and we're doing, we've got this dish on the menu, which is like a mackerel with fried chestnut and like freshly juiced rocket, like as customers walk in and with citric acid, so it doesn't oxidize. And like these are perfect. They have to be like these 20 cent sized nasturtiums and there'd be a five, I think five. Oh no, I think it was like, it was like three or five. And so every person got this one entree dish that I would do. And so I'd go out every day and I'd pick them fresh before. So I'd find a spot, a big, big patch, just by kind of like a little gully, like water. And I'd have to pick, there'd be heaps of them, but they'd all have to be the same size. So if we had 50 or 60 booked, I'd have to go pick 200 or 250 of these perfectly sized, which takes a bit of time. Mm. And for them not to be kind of discolored, all that sort of stuff. So it's very, yeah, it's very finicky. I I know, I know, I know, you know, (laughs) I know, you know my pain here. Um, and yeah, so like obviously to not be fucking stupid, you'd be picking like a few more portions than what are booked, you know, like, like, so I think what we had, we had like maybe like 50 booked or something. So I'd pick like 55 portions because I can't pick, you don't want to pick any more because you're picking it fresh the next day. Mm. You don't want to waste your time picking too much. Mm. Um, and yeah, so we get there that, that night and like getting everything going, pre-plating all the entrees, like, you know, as they're called, you put the nasturtiums on. Yeah, da 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 da, and first, first, uh, the first seating goes well. Everything's nice. Everything's everything's great. <laughs> and we get to the second seating, and uh, just in between, we had like a walk-in of like two or something like that. And I was like, "That's cool. I've still got like three more portions." Yeah, cruising. And like, I was like, ten minutes later, fifteen minutes later, she like she she comes in on the phone about hey guys can we take another 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 two and i was like oh, i'm just kind of there in my i was an apprentice here so like i was like didn't really say anything and they're like yeah yeah that's fine thomas I'm like, yeah bring it there bring it i'm kind of sitting there being like kind of thinking about it, like weighing up the risks here like i'm just being like fuck 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 am i gonna have enough gonna have enough and uh and i was like i've got one extra portion it's fine just as long as nothing drops on the floor any of this sort of shit and uh and, and we start doing the second second sitting and I'm pre-plating everything and like I've got it all set and I start putting the nasturtiums on but then like as it fiddles down to the last few portions I'm kind of like looking at how much I got left and how much I got to plate and I realised I've miscounted while I was picking oh, no. yeah and I was like <laughs> fuck fuck me like and this isn't a place that take like substitutions as an answer yeah you know like consistency is consistent for a reason yeah and uh and i'm thinking in my head as this apprentice kind of like kind of staying quiet for a little bit because i'm like thinking about all the hypotheticals of how i can get out of this fucking situation i'm like oh maybe if i ask him we can just put like you know two nasturtiums or whatever instead of three or, or 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 something or maybe i can just like not tell him and just like try and push it be a fucking shit cunt chef or some <laughs> shit and uh and i was like no no no, i can't do that i can't do that and i kind of eventually work up the guts and muster to, to turn to to tom and i'm like hey chef um and i was like oh i don't think i'm gonna have enough nasturtium for the last two mackerels and he turns to me and he's like what are you gonna do about it <laughs> and i just kind of looked down i looked at him and i just was like so I threw off my apron at like 8, 8.30, just as people are sitting. I threw it off and I just bolted out the door and I started running around Wollongong. And oh. I shit you not, I shit you not during service and I had to go find a scope. I thought you meant you took off your apron you're like, all right. Quit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, it's your problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I just start, I threw my apron off and I just started running around Wollongong like with a torch on my phone trying to fucking urban forage someone's garden at like 8.30. <laughs> it was pitch black. And I was like, fuck me, this is the worst. I'm like bolting in, in clogs and fucking black uniform, like running with a light. People probably think I'm fucking crazy. And uh, yeah, and I'm trying to find like any any kind of garden that I'm just trying to like look like I'm not shady or some shit, like trying to find cigarette butts in a garden or whatever. Like, yeah, and I just like was running around, had to like pick it. And I forgot to take a container with me. So I'm kind of half softly holding him in my hands just trying to like pick with a torch I had a torch in my fucking teeth and some just like <laughs> figure it out trying to get the same size and it was just chaos and it took me like 10 minutes just like running around the city before I fucking got back and just 
oh man it's one of those times where you're just like out of breath and you're like I can't believe that kind of worked yeah, yeah. like it was crazy because <laughs> I got to like the last few as you were sending them and he kind of like had to like hold it back a little bit for me and I felt so bad yeah. I felt I felt bad you know like you feel like you're letting the team down yeah so yeah well, you got it done yeah well you got it done obviously yeah, yeah. Like, you have to there's yeah. no choice yeah but that's that's the beauty of hospitality there's no excuses you know yeah. like you just you got to get it done and somehow that's where these in the shit stories come about because there's no there's no replacements there's no oh we don't have it you know it's just like I mean some some places do but mm. a lot of places just go nah it doesn't happen here it's not a yeah and it just it leads to these great stories yeah, yeah just no, it does up. it's uh, and I think it's uh, the one thing that uh, all those things they they it sounds very cliche but they're they're character building you know? yeah, yeah, you, yeah and especially from what I love about um, uh, this industry the camaraderie of like work being in the shit with people but then at the end of the day it always works out one yeah. way or the other it might the wheels might fall off and it's absolutely horrific <laughs> but at the end of the day I think you, you still need to be able to sit down and, and have a beer or sit down and be able to have a chat and be like well that was shit wasn't it <laughs> you know, and I think I think people uh, lose sight of that that you know and and you know maybe people take take that too far as well you know like you know your your head chef in that moment you know he might have been you know if he's under a lot of pressure as well sometimes they, they might fly off the handle and you know the, the having a beer and oh that that was shit but hey we got through it maybe that moment doesn't happen and that's when that you know you, you hear about uh, you know people's jobs getting getting the better of them mentally and stuff yeah, like that, which, yeah, yeah. you know, you obviously don't want to hear. Um, but I, I find it tremendously character building. And, oh, yeah. But as long as you can sit back and, and I always say to my guys, like, yeah, in the moment, it might be pretty bad. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I, I might, I might uh, flick a look your way or, or say something, but it's never personal. And, you know, you, you're going you're gonna to get through it. It always works out for yeah. one way or the other. Um, but yeah, and then you've got stories to tell down the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're funnier the, the, the more time yeah. passes out. <laughs> it's always too soon. It's always too soon after. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's great. Like, I don't regret it. Like, I'm almost glad that that's what he said. You know, like, it sounds mm. weird in a sick way. But like, when someone gives you that pressure, mm. you know, it really kind of shows you it kind of kind of just like shows you how much better you can be if you tried yeah and and in some it all comes down to um and what what interests me is like your your personality obviously you took ownership of it yeah and you were like you know when when someone told you okay what are you going to do about it you were like all right cool this uh, you made it your own yeah and you, you solved the problem some people unfortunately don't have that ability you yeah. know and if they're faced with someone goes well what are you going to do about it they can't, you know, and and then that 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 sometimes maybe is a realization that oh maybe this isn't for me. Yeah, know? and yeah. and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. You know, I was just recently talking to someone that uh, did a trial with us, and I said like he he was very nervous on on the trial with us. Like he was physically saying like I don't think he knew it was coming out of his mouth, <laughs> but he was like oh my god I'm nervous, and I was like telling myself like. Am I hearing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was quite bizarre. But I think he was just that nervous that it was coming out of him. And oh, I, right. Uh, so I went over to him and was like, hey, mate, you know, the reason why we have these trials is it's, it's you know, don't try and soak in everything at once. Just sit here. And the reason why we have these trials is observe what's going on, take it in, and, and see, it's very it's just as much for us as it is for you, this trial period. Then you go away and f- feel like if, if this is have a think is this the place for you because it might not be and that's fine as well because if you go to a place in, and you come to that realisation that oh, maybe this isn't the place for me it's it's high stress or it's late hours or whatever it might be having that realisation of, of going well at least I know that's what I don't want to do that's a good thing as well because it narrows down what you do want to do right but if, if you come into it and you're like no this is really where I want to be then that's great yeah you'll thrive yeah so you know it's all it's it's uh not every industry is for everyone you know you gotta it only suits certain personality types Um, yeah you know probably the the sick people like us that uh (laughs) (laughs) like putting ourselves in the shit constantly yeah (laughs) just to uh just to feel something (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, yes, chef. Yeah. Um, all right, I've got a, I've got another uh, left left ball uh, to to throw at you, uh, and I'm sure you'll know exactly who threw through this one. But the uh, story of filtering cocktails for a t-shirt. <laughs> Jesus, Matt's really stitched me up on this, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> next time I get him on, you can fucking throw throw the stories at me. Yeah. Um, you know, funnily enough, I think it was New Orleans again. It was, it was something uh, to do <laughs> with that is, place. You're that, surely uh, never going back to New Orleans again after well, that. I think what he <laughs> failed to obviously uh, let you know is uh, that very same trip. And I think at that very moment when I, yes, I was filtering a cocktail through one of my shirts. <laughs> because I didn't have a, a, a super bag, I think it was. Um, so I had a brand new linen shirt. That uh, was actually perfect. So I was like, I need to, I need to filter this, um, yeah. this batch. Um, it was like this kombucha that I served as like a little amuse bouche. It was like strawberry gum kombucha or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I had to, I had to pull something out of the bag. So I, I was filtering through. But at this, at that time, the night before, we were out. It was, it was me, uh, Matt, Matthew, Jeffrey, Alan, Wiley, and. Uh, Richie Owen. Um, you, you say that as if he he hates the sound of his real name. He does. Yeah. He does. He hates. He hates people knowing his uh, his, his middle name. So, uh, I love giving it as much airtime as I can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Let's let's go. We we, we every time we do, uh, we've got this thing called light minded creatures that uh, <laughs> myself, Alex Cretenia, and, and Matthew Jeffrey Allen Miley get together every now and then, and um, I'm always in charge of uh, printing the menus because it's my designers that do it. Yeah, yeah and. Yeah. Uh, I'll always like sneak it in there. <laughs> the first one he didn't he didn't proofread it properly, so it oh, made no. it to the and he was yeah, he was pretty cross about that. But anyway, uh, yes, I was filtering something through it through a, a, a shirt, but uh, at that point in time he was nowhere because we had been out the night before. Uh, we went to the Roosevelt bar, which is like famous for um, you know drinks like Sazeracs and, and Ramos gin fizzes and whatever and. Uh, he had uh, a couple of uh, Sazeracs too many, and uh, yeah, I think that the next day he was in a world of trouble. And uh, yeah, so um, he's not uh, <laughs> he's not um, perf- Mr. Perfect himself. Is that- he, he missed my seminar actually? Oh, did he? Because he was back at the hotel feeling <laughs> sorry for himself. So. Uh, is, there, is there maybe a photo of him throwing up next to a van? I wish, I wish. Oh shit! I, I remember seeing a photo of him like throwing up next to a, a van. I don't know. If oh, really? That might be the uh, th- Probably yeah, one of many. If you find it, yeah, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, hell. Well, now, now'd be the time to, to, to tell me his in the shit stories. You sound like you would have been there for one or two of them. But yeah, fuck, that's that's crazy. I, I'm look, I'm I'm happy to finish it up there. I think that's a great culmination of uh, a roller coaster of emotions in, in this one. So yeah, I'm happy to finish it up there. I appreciate awesome. that. Awesome, thanks, man. Oh, thank Good you. To chat. You too. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you'd like to listen to more episodes or check out some cool behind-the-scenes photography, then head to the new website over at rootshospitality.com.au or follow Roots Hospitality on Instagram for the latest updates. Cheers!